In a small village nestled between lush mountains, there lived the stonecutter. Every day he would go to the mountain and chip away at the rocks, seeking to shape them into beautiful statues and tools. To the passing eye, his daily efforts seemed minuscule, barely scratching the surface of the immense boulders. A young boy, curious about the stonecutter's work, asked him, Why do you strike the rock every day when your efforts seem to make no difference? The stonecutter smiled and handed the boy a smooth, perfectly shaped stone. This stone, he began, was once as rough and unyielding as the boulder you see there. Every day, I strike it with my hammer and chisel, and though each strike seems to have no mark, over time it transforms into something new and beautiful. The boy looked at the stone in his hand and then to the towering boulder. He then began to understand. So it's not the strength of a single strike, but the persistence of many that creates changes. Exactly, the stonecutter nodded. In life, as with this stone, our biggest achievements come from the consistency of many small efforts. Day by day, what seems insignificant can lead to great changes. The key is to keep going, to keep chipping away, even when the progress isn't immediately visible. Prepare for a soccer coaching revolution. Come with me on a journey to discover the latest methods, techniques, and tactics that will transform you into a more effective coach, player, or soccer parent. Whether you're a seasoned coach or a beginner, growth never stops. I'm Sagev Rabinovich, and this is Soccer Coaching Mastermind. The story of the stonecutter is one that I love because it really demonstrates what we do at Gladiator Soccer Academy. Most people, when they come in and do this for the first time, you know, come for a tryout, they see one week, which is Tuesday 1v1s, Wednesday and Friday more team training. And then it's the next week and we do the same thing. And then the next week and we do the same thing and they ask, you know, why do we do the same thing every single time? And that that's why. Because in order to shape a player and really smooth out the edges like that rock, you really need consistency and repetition. And what's great is when you do the small things over and over and over again, and you repeat it over and over and over again, you start to see changes. And over time, those changes, especially within our players, they become habits. And when a player does something over and over and over again, it just makes sense that they're going to do it again in the game. And we're really starting to see that with our 1v1 defending. Now, we haven't been focusing on it as hard as we have for the past couple of months ever in the academy. So the fact that within two months we're really starting to see players really just increase their IQ of how to go in in a 1v1 defending situation. It's really, really 
amazing to watch these players grow and do these things in an environment that's competitive and their parents are there to watch and we're talking about the game at this point. So I'm very proud of the players and the ability of the teams to really just start getting better at defending, which is something we've really struggled with. Now, we're not perfect. There's lots of moments where players jump in with their leg first rather than their arm, and that's okay. But we're slowly starting to see a shift, and that shift is backed by the amount of goals the other teams are scoring on us, right? Just not as many, and we make it tough. We just make it tough for teams to score on us. Now, I'm going to say something very controversial. I think there's really only two ways that you don't win a game. One is that the opponent is better than you. And in that case, they win, right? They beat you. And then the other way that you don't win a game is because you made the mistake. So in that case, you lose. In that case, if you're better than the opponent, you just make mistakes in the back. You know, you're trying to build out of the back. You're trying to work, but someone just makes a bad pass. We get scored on. I don't consider that a team beating us. Now, yes, in the score, I get it. But for me, that's not really a loss, right? That's not the other team beating us. That's just us losing the game. And if we can fix that, then we don't lose the game. And that's in our control. And it's becoming more and more apparent that our teams are losing games. We're not getting beat. We're just losing games. And that's okay because a lot of these teams are new. So our 2014s, for example, we lost. We didn't get beat (laughs) uh, this weekend. Our 2011s, we lost. We didn't get beat. Um, And I know that's probably controversial, but I think it's a better way of thinking about it because that way you know that there's, if you just fix a couple of things, you'll be okay, right? And with our 2014s, the other team had no control over the game, right? Every time their goalkeeper had it, they kicked the ball up, right? They scored a couple of goals from that, so I don't care, right? We're not allowed to head the ball. So what's a player going to do? What's a player going to do if a goalkeeper kicks the ball up in the air and it's bouncing high, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So, so yeah, we're going to lose, right? But it's because of the rules that are being in, that have been put in place that just don't really make sense. Um, you know, people talk about he- you're not getting a head injury from heading the ball. If, if you don't know that by now, you're not looking at the articles. You're not looking at the science. The biggest cause of concussions in youth is when two people go out for a header and then they bash their heads. Now, the argument is, well, let's take out heading so then players won't go up for the ball, right? Okay. Instead, why don't we educate? Why don't we educate kids to learn how to head the ball? It's the same problem as defending that I spoke about. Players don't know how to defend because the coaches don't teach. And as a result of that, what happens? Well, players hurt, trip, you know, they cut other players' legs and and it's just not, it's not the same, right? Like in my opinion, you need to teach heading. You can't just avoid it. 
because now the habit is balls in the air. I'm going to put my head down. Okay. That's just not a good habit to teach kids. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the 2014 game. They did really well. Uh, we played really well. We played against a tier one team. Uh, they had some good players, but they never really kept the ball. We had a 56% possession. I think that's the right stat there. Uh, 56. Let me check here. We had we had 55% possession. We had control over that game. We had more passes. They had a lot more shots than us. Again, because we're trying to build out of the back. They're not. Um, so we didn't really... They didn't beat us. We lost the game. 2011's so much better. This team, we played against, uh, I think, the second place team. And we just controlled that game as well. Uh, we had 57% possession. And before we had VO, it was very hard to, to show and prove that we were better, that we controlled the game. And now with VO, I can really go into the stats, show the players, listen, I, I know, okay, I, you, you did control the game. You did play better. Yeah, we don't have a goalkeeper yet. So, of course, the 2011s aren't going to do well when we put a 2012 who's not even a goalkeeper, who's a player in goal. It just doesn't make sense for us to win that game. So I thought our teams are just in general, they're, they're controlling the game. And when a team controls the game, whether it's through 1v1s, possession stats, whatever that is, things become very simple because now you can just see the little problems. You add that and it seems like then it's a whole new level, but you were just missing that small thing. And it's the consistency of repetition in practice that will get you there. So why we do the same things over and over again that's why. So that the players can really get into the habit. Now, we went into a really interesting 4v4 in practice last week, and I absolutely loved it. Now, we just started doing 4v4s in the session. I thought it was just a really great way to get the players ready for the game, simply because it's kind of like the type of uh, positional rondos that we do, which is essentially, it's like a 3v3 plus 2. That's really what a 4v4 is. So we have a goalkeeper, and then we have two players on the wing and one player in the center space, right? So it's really a 6v6 in the middle and two goalies. So it's really just a 3v3 plus 2. And then by adding nets in there, you just make it a 4v4. So for me, it was really simple to just kind of go from the positional rondo that we've been doing into this type of small-sided game. Now, as you know from listening to me for a while, we go 1v1s and 2v2s. The evolution from that is, it seems natural to go into 4v4s, especially because in the 4v4s, there's diamonds, there's triangles. It's really great. We've also done 3v3s in the past, which work really well. Um, but I really like the 4v4 and having the element of a goalkeeper and the goalkeeper is open, which is exactly how the game is. So they can always reset to the goalkeeper just like they could in the real game. 
Now, there's a lot of different elements that we're going to start to coach within our 4v4. We're going to do this every Friday. So Friday, uh, we play games on Saturdays. So it's the day before the game. So we get them into a game that's really fast paced. The 4v4 is a lot better, I find, because it just seems like the players have a lot more space than obviously our 1v1s and 2v2s, which are super cramped. And as a result, all they have to really do is take a touch for a shot. So we're starting to see a lot more shots within our 4v4 environment. And that's something that we're missing, our players being able to finish. So for me, that 4v4 is a really good way to coach shooting. And that's really the first thing that uh, we focus on, right? Shooting. How many shots can we get? Can we get it? And then can we look to see if we have a shooting lane? And if we do, let's do it right away. And if not, maybe we can do a move to get that shot off because it should be shot after shot after shot because it's just a 1v1, right? If all the players are staying in their spaces, it's either the wide space or the center space, then when they receive the ball, they should only have one player to beat always. And as a result of that, that's going to get you a lot more shots. At least that's what I think. Now, there's another element in this game that really teaches possession in a way that I don't think is really obvious. And it's really important, but I think it's been used. I think coaches have heard of it, but I think it's been used wrong. So the term that or, or the phrase, I guess, is play the way that you're facing. And I think that's wrong. It's not play the way that you're facing. That's not, that's not where the responsibility comes from. It's not the player that's receiving the ball that has the responsibility. It's the player that's passing the ball. So let's take an example, and we'll use the way that I used to uh, talk about rondos, which is northeast, southwest, uh, because we're playing 4v4. So on the south side is the goalkeeper, east and west are the wingers, and then in the north side is the forward. Okay, And then now we can all kind of imagine that. So I want you to imagine that the goalkeeper on the south side has the ball, and they're going to make a pass to the player on the east side, which is on the right side. Now, depending on the foot that the goalkeeper is passing the ball to is really going to depend on what the player on the east side does okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say that again because this is a really important point and then we'll talk about the two different examples when the goalkeeper has the ball he makes a pass to the east the player on the east side based on the foot that the goalkeeper passes the ball to either the left foot or the right foot is going to depend on what the, f the player does on the east side. When we make a pass to a player, we pass the ball to that player and we give them advice through our pass. And we try and pass the ball to the foot that's furthest from the defender. That's what we're always trying to do. The foot that's furthest from the defender. And we're also trying to pass the ball in such a way that gives them space. So let's take an example of that East player. Okay. That East player has a player in front of him, right? That's a player that we're playing against. That's the opposition's winger. 
if the player is in front of them, as that ball is traveling, the ball should be passed to the left side. And that is a pass from the furthest foot to the furthest foot from the defender. And what the goalkeeper is telling, what the passer is telling the East player is that there's a player coming on your right side. So you must receive it with that left foot. And a player that receives it with that foot is being told that and should subconsciously think to themselves, okay, I need to now pass that ball back because there is pressure coming to me. Now, I get it. There are moves that you can use in these types of situations to beat the player. But we're not talking about the player that's receiving the ball. We're talking about the passer, right? If I'm making that pass, I'm making that pass and saying, I want to give my teammate the most and the best amount of chance to keep possession of the ball. And in order to do that, I'm going to pass to the furthest foot. And because we're passing to the foot, that's going to get the player to face away from their goal. It makes sense for that player to either pass it back because we don't really want to go back. We want to attack, attack, attack. And then as soon as they pass back, they can open up again. But their opening up is now going to be in f- behind, behind the opponent. And why is that? Because with that pass, what we were able to do is attract, attract the defender. And when we've attracted the defender, it creates space where the defender was. And the defender was in front of us, and now they're right on us, which now gives us space behind that defender. So I know that might be a little bit confusing, but try and think of it this way, okay? We're in a perfect diamond, northeast, southwest, perfect diamond, okay? We're focusing on the east player. The player that I'm defending against is northeast now. So in between my forward and my winger or my center mid and my winger, that doesn't matter. When the, when the goalkeeper passes the ball, pass the ball to the left foot. <clears throat> and remember, everyone's facing the goalkeeper, right? So to that east player, he's getting the ball on the left foot. Now that defender who's northeast is going to vacate their space and come into the east space. And now that northeast space is open. And because we've attracted and we've used the furthest foot, we can reset the ball, pass it back, and then we go through. And I think a lot of coaches make the mistake of stop stopping to coach at the point where it's f- play the way you're facing. The only reason you are resetting the ball is to get it back. There is no other reason. You are resetting the ball because you you want to attract. And then you move to get space so you can get it back, right? You're not just keep resetting, 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 resetting. And this is a problem that a lot of our defenders have. And the reason they do this is because one, they're not scanning for the wingers, right? So they don't know to go forward. And two, they're not even looking to go forward. They just give away the responsibility. I'm not giving away the responsibility of the ball. I'm just passing it so that I can get it back, right? 
if you look at the great players, right, in basketball, you look at LeBron, uh, Kobe, Jordan, when they pass the ball, they don't pass the ball to give it away. They pass the ball to get away from their defender so they can get open for a shot. And that's what we want our players to do. And if we put it in those terms, it's going to make the players a lot more confident. And it's going to make the players take a lot more responsibility. And the most important thing is it's going to have the players move off the ball. Now, we've talked about receiving with the right foot. But there are situations where we receive the ball with the right foot. And in rondos, we talk about that as receiving the ball with the furthest part of the f- with the furthest foot. Now it's not the furthest foot from the defender, it's just the furthest foot, right? So that's going to open your body up when you're receiving it with the furthest foot. There are two things that are really important when we talk about receiving with the furthest foot. One is we have to be in a different half space than they are. And two is that we have to be in line with the player. Okay? And if one of those doesn't match up and you don't do one of those, then the pass isn't going to work and you're not going to be able to receive it with the furthest foot. Because if you're not in a different half space, then they're going to be able to intercept it. And if you're not in line with them, then, and let's say you're in front of them, okay, which means closer to our net, then you're going to receive it. Your first touch is not going to be able to beat the player. And if you're behind them, then they're going to be able to intercept it because they're in the way. So you have to be in line with it and in a different half space. But that is only half of what you need to do because this is where shift comes into play. And when you shift, that is the secret of getting open and being able to beat the player with your first touch. So let's talk about how we do that. And the ball always starts on the opposite side of where you are. So whatever the side is that has the ball, we call that the strong side. Side without the ball is called the weak side. So the strong side, which in this case would be the ball being on the west side, when the ball is on the west side, the east side player has to shift from the wide space into the half space. What that does now is it opens up the wide space for that player. Now, when they shift into that half space, it now brings the opponent with them. So again, east side, uh, wide space open. As that ball resets to the goalkeeper, that's the indication for the east side player to get into their east wide space. And as a result of that, that's how they get open. Now, a couple of factors that help out is one, if we're talking about the wingers, we want that winger to be behind the defender. So the defender has to make a decision when the ball's traveling to the goalkeeper. Are they going to look at the goalkeeper or are they going to look at the uh, east side player? And if they look at the goalkeeper, fantastic. Okay, that now we're completely free. And if they look at us, They're not paying attention to the ball because they have to look over their shoulder, which is fine too. And if we start to make a run, that's okay because they're going to try and do some weird like turn and to be able to look at us and 
gain balance to get into their side. And then once they follow us, then now what we've done is we've made it worse for them because if they follow us, then now the half space is open. And if the half space is open, that ball can go through the half space. And now we've received the ball ahead of the player. Now, this doesn't work if you are playing 11 v 11 and the obvious answer is because of offside. So you can't really be behind that player unless you're behind that player as that ball is traveling backwards and then you get in line with them. And that's why that's able to work because when the player gets the ball, right? So when the goalkeeper gets the ball, and let's say that is an offside, then you are now onside because again, you're in the half, you're in the wide space, you're in a different half space, but more importantly, you're in line with that defender. So you're not offside. So that now allows you to, again, be completely open. So we've talked about both players. And for me, I always talk about with my players that you're the one that's leading the player by making the pass. So you must pass to the correct foot. And if you don't pass to the correct foot, then all of this doesn't matter. Because I could be making the best run ever into the wide space. But if you pass it to the wrong foot, if you pass it to the foot, to my left foot, when I'm in the wide space, then you're essentially telling me to go backwards. And that's not what we want, right? So it's so important to work on the correct foot. And that's why these positional games and these rondos are so important so that we can drill the habit into the players of what to do. Now, I want to be clear that this isn't just possession. When I yell the word keep possession, I don't just mean pass it. Okay, there has to be a one-on-one component, a 1v1 component, a deceptive dribbling move to break the line. There has to be that sort of bravery. There has to be that sort of leadership on the field. So to just keep passing back and forth is not going to get us anywhere. And you need that Kevin De Bruyne type player. You need that Iniesta type player. You need that player, that Bernardo Silva player that's going, or even Phil Foden, that's going to be willing to break the line when they receive the ball in a supporting position. Now you think of those players and what makes them different is that they're not just great passers, but they're also really good decision makers and making they can make the right decision of when to attack 1v1, when to pass the ball. And that's what we really want to work on. We really want to work on the ability for players to do that. And that comes in with everything that I spoke about, getting a pass to the correct foot, and then the really important part of scanning, right? And scanning allows you to make good decisions because if you can't see what's going on, you're not going to be able to make a good decision. So when we combine passing the ball to the correct foot, right, that's essentially like my teammate giving me advice. The foot that they're passing me the ball, they're helping me out. They're telling me where to go. Now I can make a decision based on where I've scanned because now I see what's going on. So if I think, hey, you know what? I, I, thanks for the pass to my left foot, but I have space to go. So instead, maybe they receive it, take a touch towards their player, and then they do a Maradona, and then they attack, right? Or maybe they do a play behind the leg to just keep going. 
but it's their decision. But we're getting advice from our teammate and we're also scanning to see what's going on. And when you combine those two aspects, you're creating better decision makers, right? And it's the lack of those two decisions. And it's sorry, it's the lack of those two things that allows us to make poor decisions, right? Because if I get the ball to the correct foot and I know what's going on, I should be able to make good decisions. Well, thanks for listening to me talk about 4v4. I hope you liked it. Uh, It's something that we're going to do every Friday now, and I think I'm just going to get better and better and better and find more and better things to coach. But this is a really good start. Shooting, correct foot, scanning, shifting. Those are four things that you can do right away to elevate your team to the next level. If you're enjoying the show, uh, please give us a rating, uh, hopefully five stars. Uh, I know my voice may not be the best to listen to, but uh, hopefully that's okay. Um, So please leave us a review, and it really helps if you tell another coach. Uh, We really want to grow the show. Since moving over from Coaching Soccer Weekly, not everyone has finished it yet. I know, um, but we want to get the numbers up for this one as well. So if you could please just tell a coach, uh, that would be amazing. On top of that, uh, I'll be back next week, as I always am every week. Uh, Next week will be my last week before March break. I'm actually going to Sacramento, I know, um, for March break. So if you're in Sacramento, you have a team, you want me to come out, uh, I should be able to. Depends on my schedule, but... Uh, I would love to uh, come say hi and see what you guys are doing over in Sacramento. Uh, I'm going to be more in the Carmichael area. So if you're around there, uh, send me a shout and uh, I'd love to come and visit. Uh, Next week, I have this weekend, I have four games. Uh, Two are at the same time. So I'll probably do the same thing where I record using my amazing, beautiful and lovely VO. If VO is something that you are looking for for your academy or your club or your team, simply go on and use our code that uh, you can get. There's actually a link in the show notes. And until next week, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments, but most importantly, enjoy the game.